this morning, and uh, I wonder how many of you know John 3.16. Raise your hand. All right. Don't look. Don't look. Let's say it together. All right. Here we go. For God so loved the world that he gave his whosoever believeth in him but have but have what all right lord thank you for this morning i pray that you would bless lord thank you for the word of god thank you for those that are visiting today and we're so thankful for the word of god especially this verse this morning as we think about the miracle of the new life in jesus name we pray amen you may be seated John 3.16. Boy, when I think about that verse, it, you know, I think about this week. This week has been a wonderful week. We have had such a good time with the children. And uh, the reason that we love children is because Jesus loves children. I heard a, a story about two men, and uh, these two men had decided that they were going to go out and they were going to hike the Brazilian jungle. So they're out in the middle of the Brazilian jungle, and they came upon each other. They didn't know each other. They didn't know that the one didn't know the other was going to go out there and hike. And they ran into each other. They began to talk. And the one asked the other one, he says, hey, why are you here? Why are you out here in the Brazilian jungle hiking all alone? And, and he says, well, I came here to be surrounded by nature. I, I came to seek adventure. I, I, I'm out here just really kind of to, to widen my horizons and I'm just enjoying God's creation. And that man turned to the other man and he says, well, why are you here? Why are you out hiking the Brazilian jungle? And he says, well, I came because my daughter started violin lessons. Some of you that have ever had children that have decided to take up playing an instrument, you know what that man was talking about. But, you know, I don't know whatever the reason is that brought you here this morning, but I'm glad that you're here today. When I think about this, this passage in John 3, the chapter's so full of great things, and uh, one of the things that the chapter begins with is Jesus begins this, this dialogue, this conversation with a man by the name of Nicodemus. And when you study the Bible, you find out that Nicodemus was a, a religious man, if we wanted to put it that way, and he, of course, had a, 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 a head full of knowledge about religion, about the law. And uh, Nicodemus was a, a man that had studied for a long time, knew many scriptures, but he had heard, like so many of his day, he had heard about this man by the name of Jesus. And the Bible says, because of his position in his religion, that, uh, that maybe there was some peer pressure there in his life, to, that if, he, if they found out that he went and talked and spent some time with Jesus, that he might take some flack about that. So the Bible says he went to Jesus by night. He went under the cover of darkness, and he met secretly with Jesus, and he begins to talk to Jesus because he was wondering about life, and he was wondering about eternal life, and he was asking Jesus, uh, what must I do uh, in this area of eternal life, and, and what would a man have to do uh, to, to, to be able to find his way into the kingdom of God? And notice the words there, what would someone have to do? See, that's the way we live in this world today. So many people are trying to figure out what they can do to get to heaven. And Nicodemus was just like so many. Can I tell you, and, and this is what Jesus was sharing with it, Nicodemus was, is that this matter of new life, as we've been talking about over the last 
nine or ten weeks, new life is not found in a possession, new life's not found in a home, new life's not found in a church, new life is found in the person of Jesus Christ. That's the only place that you can find new life. And Nicodemus, he had longed for that life that only Jesus could give. See, new life is a miraculous gift from God. The Bible tells us much about this, and, and, and as we think about this, new life doesn't begin until a person has a new birth or a spiritual birth. If you have your Bible open in John chapter number 3, look at a couple of verses beginning in verse number 5. The Bible says, Jesus answers to Nicodemus and says, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I said unto thee, ye must be born again. And do you get what he's saying to Nicodemus? He says, that which is born of the water is water. That's physical birth. And then he says, that which is of the spirit is born of the spirit is spirit. That's a spiritual birth. And notice the word and, meaning that there are two different kinds of birth. Now, Nicodemus, he's like a lot of people, he's trying to figure all this out. He says, how can I be born again? Can I enter a second time into my mother's womb? And Nicodemus's mom would say, no way, Jose. That's not going to happen. He's not talking about a second physical birth. See, all of us have a birthday. That, that marks the day that you were born into this world. Brother Kenny's is July 2nd. He's an old man this week, all right? But here's the thing is, is that all of us have a physical birthday, and unless the Lord comes back, all of us will have a physical death day. And what's between it that many times you see represented by a dash, that represents your life. However many years that our good God gives you on this earth. But while we're here, we are confronted with the same thing that Nicodemus was confronted with, and that is this matter of new life. In other words, we are physically born, but God gives us an opportunity to have a spiritual birth, and that is what Jesus is talking to Nicodemus about. Now, in our passage this morning, and you quoted the verse, and by the way, you did very well with John 3, 16. But the verse says, For God so loved the world that he, God, gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have, what kind of life? Everlasting life. That, that verse, verse 16, of the same chapter he's dealing with Nicodemus, about this matter of a physical birth and a spiritual birth, verse 16 is the summary of the entire conversation that he's having with Nicodemus. This is probably the most well-known verse in the Bible. Many times you'll see, whether it's on TV or you go to a game, people holding up in the stands a sign that says John 3.16. 
Now, many times they hold that up. John 3.16, some people don't even really know what John 3.16 is. But it's, it's the most well-known verse in the Bible. And it's so simple, listen to me, we saw that th this, this week, it's so simple that a child can understand it, but it's so profound that some of the greatest theologians of the day struggle to explain it. It's an amazing verse. And in this verse, we find, according to Jesus, we find the way to eternal life. And that's what I want you to look at this morning, this new life, as we see from John chapter 3 and verse 16. Notice, first of all, this morning with me, that new life is available because of a miraculous love. The Bible says again in verse 16, for God so loved the world. What a great way to start that verse. God so loved. We don't have to wonder if God loves us. God's already proven that. God's already demonstrated his love for us. Notice his love is a supreme love. There's not a greater love, a better love. He so loved us. You know what that means? God is the prime mover in this matter of salvation. We are not the movers. We are not the ones that initiated it. God so loved the world. Look what John wrote over in 1 John chapter 4, and verse 9 in your notes. In this was manifested the love of God toward us, because that God sent his only begotten son into the world that we may, might live through him here in his love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. The Bible says clearly that Jesus shed his precious royal blood for us Jesus became the covering for our sins. That's what the Bible means by he became the propitiation for our sins. God loved us so much that he gave his son for us. God's love transcends any love you can think about in this world. There's not a greater love than God so loved the world. A man received a letter one time and he got this letter, he opened it up, he began to read the letter, and here's what it read. The letter says, Dear Johnny, no words could express my unhappiness since I broke off our engagement. Please say that you will take me back. I love you, I love you, love always, Susie. P.S. Congratulations on winning the lottery. Now, sometimes we don't really know who it is that loves us. But when you think about God's love, God wants us to know. God's love is unconditional. It's supreme. Look what the Bible says in 1 John 4, 19. We love him. Why? Because he first loved us. How about this verse, Romans 5, 8? God commendeth his love toward us. In that while we were yet, what? Sinners, what happened? Christ died for us. See, folks, that's a supreme love. God loves you. God loves you right here and right now just the way you are. You don't have to change yourself so that God would love you. His love is a supreme love. 
And new life is available because of a miraculous love that is supreme. But notice also it's a sacrificial love because the Bible goes on to say, for God so loved the world, listen to this, that he gave his only begotten son. I mean, folks, think about it. His only begotten son. God gave his best. God gave his all. He gave his only begotten son. The Bible mentions in John 1.14, the word, capital W, referencing Jesus. The word was made flesh. We call that the incarnation of God, that Jesus came. We celebrate that at Christmas time, that God came down to us. The word Emmanuel, meaning God with us. The word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory. The glory is of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Jesus, God's son, God took on the form of a man. True love is a love that will make supreme sacrifices. I know growing up, as, as my wife and I, we were raising our children over the years uh, because of, of, of our beliefs and because of the changing world, we made many sacrifices as a father and mother. And by the way, we don't regret any of those sacrifices that we made. Can I tell you that our children, I believe this with all my heart, they're where they are today because of some of those sacrifices that we made. But can I tell you, every sacrifice that I made for my children, for my family, if you put it all together, it would fall way short of what God sacrificed for me. And for you, God's love is a sacrificial love. God's son came in the flesh. Why? To die for the sins of the world. Your sins, my sins. See, we must understand who Jesus is if we're ever, ever, ever going to have a right relationship with God. And can I tell you this morning unequivocally, Jesus is God's son. Jesus was God in the flesh. Listen to what God the Father testified in Matthew 3, 17. Lo, a voice from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Hey, can I tell you this morning that if God announced it, that's enough for me? God says, This is my Son, and I'm pleased in my Son. The Bible says in Colossians 2, 9, For in Him, in Jesus dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Jesus was fully God and he was fully man as he lived on this earth. And Jesus came personally, yes, but Jesus suffered painfully. Why? So that we could have eternal life. When you look at this picture that I want you to see, maybe it's one that brings a, an immediate thought to your mind. This is the place known as Calvary, the hill of the skull. This is the place where Jesus' life on this earth came to a conclusion. And by the way, Jesus was born to die at Calvary. He came to give his life a ransom so that we could have eternal life someday. Listen, as he was here and as he got closer to the cross, Jesus was beaten and Jesus was, uh, had a crown of thorns platted on his head. Jesus uh, took the spear in his side, the nails in his hands and his feet. Jesus took all of that. Why? Because he loved us. Somebody said that you cannot uh, give without loving, or you can give without loving, but you cannot love without giving. And certainly God loved us so much. Well, how did he prove that love? 
he gave his son for us. I hope you realize that this morning. Look at Ephesians 1, 7. In whom we have redemption through his blood. The forgiveness of sins. According to the riches of his grace. Folks, we can be forgiven. But that forgiveness does not come by works. It comes by the blood of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. It wasn't the nails that held Jesus to the cross. It was his love that held him there. Can I tell you this morning that new life is available because of a miraculous love. But secondly, it's available because of a miraculous provision. If you look back in John 3, 16, look at the verse again. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Here it is. That whosoever believeth in him should not perish. I love that word there, whosoever. You know what it tells me? That there is a universal provision. A universal provision. The word literally is God saying that anybody, anytime, anywhere, that if they will turn from their wicked way and they will turn from their life of sin and they will turn to me, they can be saved. They shall be saved. Look at a couple of uses. Romans 10, 13. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. 1 Timothy 2, 3 and 4. For this, this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior who will have all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. Who does God want to be saved? Everyone. Is there anyone that God would not save? No. God wants to save everyone. Revelation 22, verse 17, the spirit and the bride say, come, and let him that heareth say, come, and let him that is a thirst come, and whosoever will, let him take of the water of life. What's that last word? Freely. Folks, can I tell you, look, the price has already been paid. The price of salvation. It cost God his son. All this you have to do this morning, if you've never received Jesus as your personal Savior, is to take of the water of life freely. To accept Jesus as your personal Savior. Listen, it's not a matter of can or can't. It's a matter of will or won't. You either will accept the Lord as your Savior or you will reject the gift of God, which is eternal life. Look, if you will receive Jesus, he is ready for you to receive him this morning. Salvation, God's gift, it's a universal provision. It's not for some select group of people. It is for everyone, for God so loved the world. But notice also that I, only, I not only see a universal provision, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord, but I also see there is a personal decision that must be made. You see, salvation is personal. You cannot go to heaven because your granddaddy was a preacher. You can't go to heaven because your mom and dad are saved. You must come to the place where you personally make a decision to receive Christ. Look at the words again in John 3, 16, that whosoever believeth in him. See, there's a lot of people putting their faith in all kinds of things today. They're trusting in, in what they can do and the money that they can give. Watch this. Their name is on the roll at the church house. 
but none of that is what we see in the Word of God. Because the Bible says, whosoever believeth in Him. That word believeth refers to a total reliance upon Him. It is not something that we can learn mentally. It is that we believe in our heart. It is believing that Jesus Christ is God's Son and that He died for the sins of the whole world. Warren Wearsby said the difference between perishing and living and the difference between condemnation and salvation is faith in Jesus Christ. We must have faith in Jesus Christ. Jesus said in John eleven twenty five, 25, he says unto this woman, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. Notice Jesus didn't say, believe in your church and believe in what you can do. He says, whosoever believeth in me, he says, though he were dead, yet shall he live. The key is that we have to believe in him, to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. So look, new life, it's available. This new life is available because of a miraculous love for God so loved the world. But it's also available because of a miraculous provision that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish. But notice also it's available because of a miraculous gift. Notice again that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting what? Life. What is, he, what is God talking about here? Here's what he's talking about. He's talking about a gift of salvation. Now, this is a word that a lot of people want to discount, but it's a Bible word. To be saved is biblical. A gift of salvation implies that all of us are in need of salvation, that we are all sinners, that we all need to be saved. The Bible says all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Romans 10, 9, look at this. If thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. The Bible speaks of being saved. Well, saved from what? Saved from a place where God is not. Saved from a Christless eternity. Saved from a place that the Bible calls hell. You see, the Bible speaks of a literal heaven, the abode of God, and a literal hell, which, by the way, the Bible says that God has prepared for the devil and his angels. And when I think about how God so loved us, God wants everyone to go to be with him. Look at Matthew 25, 46. These shall go away into everlasting punishment, but the righteous into life eternal. Look, folks, it is no mystery. The Bible tells us in 2 Peter 3, 9, the Lord is not slack concerning his promise as some men count slackness, but is longsuffering toward us or to us. We're not willing that any should perish. But look at this, that all should come to repentance. People say things, stupid things like this all the time. I just can't believe God would send people to hell. God does not send people to hell. People reject, listen to this, they reject the gift of God. I mean, everybody likes gifts. You know why? Because you don't have to pay for it. Now, the gift cost God his son. 
But understand this morning that as he's speaking here about the gift of salvation, God's desire is that not one person would miss heaven, that all would come under repentance. And so when I think about this miraculous gift, it's a gift of salvation, but notice it's a gift of security also because he says that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have what kind of life? Everlasting. How long is everlasting? It's forever. Can you lose it? No. Why? Because you never, you never acquired it on your own. Where does eternal life come from? It comes from God. God gives us eternal life through his son, Jesus. See, rather than perishing, you can have eternal life with the Lord Jesus Christ. Romans 6, 23. Look at the verse. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through our Lord Jesus Christ. There again, he tells us, John 5, 24, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me hath everlasting life and shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death unto life. God wants us to have salvation. He, he has given us salvation that is eternal and that is secure. So when I look, listen to me this morning, when I, when I look at the offering that God has made, for God so loved the world, it's a universal offering. The provision is for everyone, salvation is for anyone, but listen, many, even though it is the gift, even though God has offered it to us, many will not receive this gift, they go to church once in a while and they, they may give to a charity so that they feel good about themselves. I was, I was thinking about this and I, I came across this illustration. Many of us know what gift cards are. And a lot of times we will go to a store and maybe it's somebody's birthday, somebody's anniversary, maybe Christmas time. And we'll purchase one of these cards to give maybe a loved one, a friend, or whoever it may be. And as I was thinking about these gift cards, they say that every year people give thousands of these gift cards as gifts. Studies have shown that one in five cards, one in five, are never redeemed. In one year, one year of a study, there was $972 million in unredeemed gift cards. These were monies that companies made. Now here's the amazing thing is, they had the gift. They had the gift. They had access to the gift. But they never took advantage of it. Some of you right now are going, I think I have some of those laying around. <laughs> when someone asked in the study, they asked some of those that had cards, didn't use them. They asked them, why didn't you use them? Over 50% of them said they didn't have time to use them. Some said they lost the card. Some gave other reasons why they never used it. And listen, you and I, we would think to ourselves, boy, if somebody gave me a gift card, I wouldn't have no problem you know, just taking that out and using it up. We would think how ridiculous to have a gift card and not use it. Can I tell you how ridiculous it is this morning that God's already given the gift of salvation and we don't take advantage of it? God so loved the world. How, look, this, this universal invitation, 
The Bible says that whosoever believeth in him. God's given us a miraculous love. He so loved the world. He's given us a miraculous provision that he gave his only begotten son. He's given us a miraculous a gift that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. What a gift. Folks, there's not a greater gift that's ever been given than the gift that God gave. And here's the best part. 1 John chapter 5, verse number 13. Listen to what the Bible says. These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God that you may know, you may know that you have eternal life. People say to me sometimes, how can you know? The Bible tells us that you may know, do you know today that you have eternal life? If this was your last day on this earth, do you know for sure where you would spend eternity? Because when you think about this, according to God's word, you're going to spend it in one of two places. And the Bible says God is not willing that any would perish, but that all, that all includes you. You see, this week we spent a lot of time with the boys and girls talking to them about God, the faithfulness of God. Can I tell you, God's faithfulness applies to you. God loves you today. And he loves you so much that he gave his son so that you can go to heaven someday. And how ridiculous to know that and to not receive God's gift. Would you bow your heads with me this morning with our heads bowed and our eyes closed? You see, you can't get to heaven without Jesus. Jesus put it this simple in John chapter 14. He said these words, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. The only way we can go to heaven is to believe on Jesus. How many of you this morning by an upraised hand say, Pastor, I've had a time in my life that I've believed on the Lord Jesus Christ as my Savior. Would you raise your hand? And by raising your hand, you're saying you're trusting in Christ alone for your eternity. What a wonderful sight. You can put your hands down. Some of you this morning, maybe maybe first time you were ever asked that question and you didn't raise your hand. But this morning, I hope you realize that what I shared with you was right out of the Bible. And the amazing thing was, it's in one verse of the Bible. One verse. John 3.16 is such a powerful verse. For God so loved the world, that's you, that he gave his only begotten son, that's Jesus, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. If you're here this morning and God has shown you that you've never made that decision to accept God's gift. Today, why don't you accept God's gift? The Bible says, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed. I wonder this morning, you're sitting here in this auditorium, you've seen the scriptures. 
I wonder if God has shown you this morning that you need to trust in Jesus so that you can go to heaven someday. Would you be honest this morning with our heads bowed and our eyes closed? Would you raise your hand and say, Pastor, God's helped me to understand that today. I need Jesus to go to heaven. Anyone at all this morning, just slip your hand up and you can put it right back down. I'm not saved. I see that hand. I see that hand. Anyone else this morning? Anybody else? You can put your hands down if you raised it. Anyone else? Just slip your hand up. Pastor, I'm not sure where I'll spend eternity, but God has shown me this morning that the only way I can go to heaven is to put my faith in Christ. Anyone else besides these two ladies? Anyone at all? We'll take just a moment. Slip your hand up and you can put it right back down. This is the most important decision you'll ever make in your life. You know why? Because God might give you 20, 30, 50, 70 years on this earth, but eternity is forever. It's eternal. These two ladies that raised your hand, and there may be others this morning. I remember 35 years ago, I heard what you heard this morning, that God loved me so much that he gave his son that I can have a home in heaven someday. And what I did that day, 35 years ago, was I prayed a simple prayer like this. I prayed and said, Lord, I know that I'm a sinner. And I know that Jesus loved me and he died for me. And I'm asking Jesus to forgive me of my sin. Come into my heart and be my Savior. Now I claim that promise. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That's God's promise. So for 35 years, I've been saved by the grace of God. Many hands went up this morning. But these two ladies, and there may be others, my prayer cannot save you. It has to come from your heart to God. And so I would invite you this morning, with her heads bowed and her eyes closed, maybe these ladies, maybe some others, between you and God, would you pray a prayer something like this? Dear Jesus, thank you for loving me. Thank you for dying for my sins. I'm asking you to forgive me of my sin. Come into my heart and be my Savior. In Jesus' name I pray.